young five-year-old Hannah to now was so passionate about it, there's a way to honor that mm-hmm. still and not um, kind of put it in a box and put it away for good. We're going to go out on the field. We're going to score as many goals as we can. We're going to have fun. Oh, Becky, you're well placed. As the title of this episode tells you, we're doing things differently this show. This is my story of athlete identity, grief, finding a new purpose, what I do now after competitive sports, all that good stuff. Yes, I have had some half-serious, half-joking talks with my friends about, you know, maybe I should be interviewed to give a host perspective on where I was coming from, why I started this show. I was never really planning on going through with that and and actually putting my story out there. But then in late May, I received this email that got me pretty excited. It was about a collaboration with a female-hosted podcast out of Canada called Women Don't Do That. And Stephanie in this email suggested she interview me for their show and she interview me for my show. And so here we are. Probably won't do a lot or really any additional storytelling in this episode because I think that that might be a bit overkill. I'm just going to wrap this up. Last note though, there are parts from two separate recorded interviews that Stephanie and I did. So if my tone of voice seems different throughout, that would be why. It goes into this whole movement right now that I think is really important that we're seeing show up manifest in a bunch of different ways about women supporting women and so I think this is a really cool idea uh to to be a part of that and so I'm just going to turn it over to Stephanie now to talk a little bit about what her podcast uh women don't do that what you guys focus on so yeah tell us a little bit about it so women don't do that uh came an idea came out of actually I had run for political office in Canada uh, in a nomination race and had lost and had experienced a lot of sexism through that experience and just wanted uh, to do something about it. I'm, I'm a really actually action oriented person. So I wanted to, I started a blog and a podcast with my friend and it's really about sharing women's stories and women learning from each other. So we like to interview women sometimes in in non-traditional roles, so truck drivers and all kinds of different situations, and then also having moments to really educate and learn from each other. So we had uh, a former Black politician in Canada speak about Black Lives Matter, so talking about you know, some of those key issues that are happening today. So it's women don't do that one word if you're trying to find us. Uh, to listen to us. And then uh, our website is www.womendontdothat.com. And our social media, we have Twitter and Instagram, and it's at Women Don't Do That. So um, hopefully you'll take a look. We're also uh, interviewing uh, Hannah there as well. Yeah, in recent episodes, I, I saw uh, focusing on women in STEM, women yeah. trying to navigate parenting during COVID, which Stephanie's a mom. I'm not a mom yet. Hopefully one day in the future, but I have a little bit more freedom right now. (laughs) The one thing that is interesting is as you talk to so many different people is how a lot of the themes are the same, even though the disciplines 
uh, and the stories are different. A lot of the, the issues or barriers that come up um, are the same. So it, it is interesting. So anyway, so if people are interested, they can jump in with that. But today we're here to talk about Hannah and I'm really excited to help you share your story with your audience. Um, I've listened to some of the podcasts and thought, hey, you need a chance to, sh to share your story too. Mm, yeah, I always used to say that if, uh, if I was going to share my story that, you know, we'd need to have some waterproof sound equipment around so when the tears start flowing I'm not causing my computer to uh to fritz out but I think uh which is very indicative of kind of the journey a lot of my guests have had I'm, I'm at a place now where it doesn't feel so raw the cliche time heals everything is is a cliche for a reason and of course I have my my sensitive points about it um that still make my my heart feel pulled a little bit, but um, definitely at a place where you couldn't have approached me, I think, at a better time to want to share my story. Well, that's good. Well, let's dive in then. Okay. Your podcast is called Run Along. What inspired you to create your podcast? Yeah, um, maybe like most podcasters, it definitely came from a very personal place. Mm -hmm. um, I found, you know, for 15 plus years, I was a soccer player. And that was my main identifier. That was the adjective or the noun I would use if I was meeting someone new, if I had to tell a fact about myself. It was how I scheduled my days. It was how my parents scheduled their days. It really seeped into everything. It was um, what led me to the college that I ended up going to. And I found that it was such a, a difficult transition for me, particularly leaving the life of a student athlete. Mm. Um, and I know that there are, there are capacities to play sports beyond um, when you're in university or in school, but it really, uh, there's a switching off. Um, it doesn't, you, as you transition to being a quote unquote real adult, um, <laughs> you're asked to kind of reconfigure your identity or, you know, if you're in the workplace, you're not talking about how you're a soccer player first and foremost. And there was really a having to say goodbye to something that was so formative for me mm -hmm. and so important. And I was curious about how other people were taking this transition. And it I really found that it wasn't something that was super talked about. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's this phenomenon where when a lot of people undergo a transition, it's kind of this idea that, oh, a lot of people have gone through it and have come out the other side. It might be difficult, but you kind of grit your teeth and then you get to that next chapter eventually and you'll find some joy. Like it, you just got to get through the darker points and there's transit beyond sport. You know, is it graduating? Is it a death? And I find that in my podcast, we're in general talking about life's inflection points where mm -hmm. you're asked to to switch to change and sports have again have always been really important to me i have recognized that they will continue to be important to me um, i'm just finding new ways to have it in my life you know in being a sports journalist and being in sports media but for me it was really this experience of leaving behind athlete life and mm -hmm. kind of wanting other former athletes to connect and help others that might be facing that transition. Mm -hmm. I think so many listeners will be able to potentially draw parallels to their own lives. As I hear you speaking, um, 
I was a cheerleader in university. Um, I did elite cheerleading for a while. Um, I had an injury and it's difficult because when you were a cheerleader or a gymnast, as an adult, I can't work out enough in a day to be at the level I was at and also to not hurt myself. And so I really can't practice that sport anymore if I'm going to work and have children, right? So I can draw parallels, you know, to being an amateur athlete. And then also to more recently, I've been struggling with chronic migraines and have not been able to work in my former job and lots of things changing. And it's like having to accept a new normal that you don't really want. And I can just, as I hear you talking about it, and I was doing research about your podcast and some of the stories, I could really identify with what I'm going through right now with some of the stories. Yeah, I think we're all going through some process of grief. And, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of more focused on the podcast, we did a retirement by pandemic um, series, which I think it it did well. And I think it did well because even though it might not be people losing their sport that we're listening, we're all, you know, maybe you lost your job or we're all kind of experiencing loss in this unprecedented uh, period in history. Yeah. And I've been reflecting on that too, because life goes on and it's challenging. There's on top of that, like with me, I'm dealing with illness and all these changes, but during COVID, You've spoken about it a little bit, but can you speak a little bit more to some of the goals that you hope to achieve? Yeah, I think through storytelling, um, that brings forth connection. And you might have known that you were not alone, but here we're giving space to talk about it in a more yeah explicit way. And I think, you know, it doesn't always need to go into the who am I deep topics, which we do go into on the podcast, but you mentioned like fitness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just spoke with a guest yesterday who was like, I didn't know how to just go on a run. Um, Mm -hmm. When you're not training for a purpose anymore, um, how do I have fun, you know, working out where I'm not, she was talking about how, even though there might be a stranger in front of her while running, she wanted to beat that person. And (laughs) just this funny, like, yeah, the mentality that you kind of have to unlearn, of course, it made you great. And it can be translated in uh, endeavors that you might be going into, but there does need to be an unlearning. And so I think I've found that, you know, just creating community might be in this virtual audio way. But hearing people talk about their own experiences um, can really help help others, which I'm sure that you've experienced in your, in your own podcast. Absolutely. For some of our listeners, they come from very different backgrounds. Like we'll have stay at home moms or we have, you know, women who are working, but in many different professional backgrounds. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you started as an athlete and how you got from there to what you're doing today to give a little bit of a background? Well, the biggest blessing and curse in my life, I'm an only child. And so when I was born, um, and you know, growing up, I think four or five years old, my parent, my mom's reading all these books, put her in ballet, put her in piano, like, what do you do? And I I felt like I I did get a little bit of everything. Um, And soccer was what stuck. I mean, I wasn't great at it at first, but, and I can't identify it. And my parents still can't quite identify it. Something flipped when I was like five 
after having my first um, soccer experience. And I just became, uh, I want to refrain from using the word obsessed, but super passionate about it. Um, if my dad was going to a pub, he would kind of sneak me under the, the table so I could watch soccer games that might be happening in the pub. Um, it was, you know, getting up early to watch the English Premier League. And it really, I fell in love with it. I love David Beckham. That was going to be like my future husband, even though I was like eight. And um, really, you know, in the way that a young girl moving into a teenager does, like I just you know, there were role models there for me and Mia Hamm um, and some of the, you know, the other U.S. women's national team stars. I mean, the 1999 World Cup, that happened when I was five years old. And so there's a pretty direct correlation there with my parents wanting me to uh, be involved in, in uh, women's soccer. And again, I think you kind of, as a young athlete, you there's almost a going through the motions, you know, you, if you get to a certain level, then you do like travel team and things kind of intensify. And I played in high school and, you know, getting to be a 16, 17 year old, I, I knew I wanted to, you know, keep taking it as far as I could. And the opportunity to play in, in college um, presented itself was very much academic oriented. I didn't want soccer to be the main reason that I would attend a school, but um, finding that balance um, with soccer and academics ended up going to a small school outside of Philadelphia I had a wonderful experience um, and I kind of joke though that that uh, environment that I think that I loved soccer a little bit um, more than it required um, <laughs> it was you know again more of an academic oriented school our soccer team was good and I had a great sporting experience but the way that I was passionate about it, it kind of exceeded those bounds. And so I found when I graduated, you know, I was sending cover letters and resumes out into the abyss, not hearing anything back from real adult jobs. And I was like, well, my ego's bruised and my body's only gonna be in this condition for so long. Let's see if I can you know, maybe go on an adventure a little bit with soccer and soccer had taken me to so many places for, you know, over a decade already. Let's see if it can, maybe I can have some other cool experiences with it. And I ultimately landed in Sweden for, um, I played there for like a season and a half, almost a year. I lived there. Um, a very formative experience, uh, being in a foreign country, uh, by myself, being on a team where, um, even though Swedes can speak English, they're very shy. So being on a team where it was entirely Swedish around me and just all navigating all that, it really was a, a growing up period for me. And it was during that time that I was able to kind of see that soccer didn't have to and sports didn't have to you know, leave entirely, um, that because I am so passionate about it and young five-year-old Hannah to now was so passionate about it, there's a way to honor that mm -hmm. still and not um, kind of put it in a box and put it away for good and kind of asking myself those questions. Okay, so what's going to be a healthy, exciting way for sports to still be a part of my life? And it was during that downtime in Sweden, I started the podcast um, that I really started to develop my my sports journalist skills, you know, freelancing for a bunch of websites and 
making those connections. And I was going to play one more season um, in Europe before calling it quits, hanging up the cleats. But um, with the pandemic and also some lingering injuries, it seemed like it was time to pivot. And so now I'll be pursuing um, a graduate school degree focused on sports media. So I'm excited. (laughs) That is exciting. It's interesting how, you know, like the story progressed and how you were able to see sport in a different light, which then helped you get come to that to that next stage. Mm-hmm. I want to dive a little bit more into the discussion about sports specifically. What role did sport play in your life? Um, I once had a therapist describe it as, I don't know if you've played that game Jenga with the blocks, um, that soccer was the Jenga struck, the, the middle block in my Jenga structure of who I was. Hmm. And I, I'll be the first to tell you that I had an unhealthy relationship with it. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself. It was very much um, the position I played. I was a forward. So I was kind of tasked with scoring goals, um, you know, very points, like accomplishment oriented. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I put a lot of focus on that. And I think in sport, you know, you can get accolades and you can get trophies and your coach tells you that you do a good job or other parents tell you that you had a good game or whatever it may be. And I really started to, and for my whole life, I don't even think I realized the extent, but like rely on those external um, accomplishments and praise. Mm -hmm. And I call it kind of this perfect storm, but actually in my last season in college, um, it was again, my last season, this was going to be the the final time for this really important um, experience for me. I was a captain, so kind of pressure coming there in a leadership role. Um, And I hurt myself, I got injured. And that Jenga structure came uh, Mm -hmm. crashing down because soccer, I couldn't play soccer. And it was really then kind of laying in this catatonic state in bed where I wasn't able to do work for my classes and really just um, so depressed in this really extreme way Mm. because this was my my last go around um, that I it kind of started to hit me more than ever that Mm. I needed to reformulate my relationship with soccer and um, how did it get here (laughs) and um, still you know these are still things that I'm I'm working on and what what parts of my personality aren't are not hinged to soccer, but are very similar to what my relationship to soccer was. And I'm Mm. learning that, you know, as a podcaster, um, as I try to navigate life um, as a real world adult. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. Like you said, like, you know, I think even now when, you know, 10 years from now and you're looking back at your career, you'll be able to see different aspects from that you know, professional life where sport has impacted it, whether it's, you know, you continue to be results oriented or competitive or um, certainly I can identify some some of those things uh, for myself that I still continue to do, but I learned uh, in sport as well. So you've already alluded to it and spoke to it a little bit. Is there anything else you'd like to add about how the experience of loss was for you through this process? Yeah, I think... I found it 
hard to talk about. I think that um, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. I don't know mm-hmm. if you listen to her at all, but um, yes. we get into this um, comparing of, you know, my loss of sport, like there's so many worse losses out there or mm-hmm. worse things out there. And I think I, I consider myself an empath. I was quick to not really let myself feel it too much or maybe in the ways that I should because my mind would jump to like you're so you're privileged Hannah and this is like this might be difficult but it's not that difficult right and I know that you know Brene Brown always says that comparing um and doing this comparing of your loss it doesn't um doesn't help anyone and you ultimately you know empathy is not finite mm-hmm. and how we build empathy is by allowing ourselves uh, to feel it when it comes so that we can, yeah, then extend it to others and even more extend it to ourselves. So I guess recognizing that your loss is valid um, and that grief is is an umbrella term. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, whether, again, it can be your, your pet. We don't have to put it on this ranking, I think. Yes. Yeah, that, that's some good advice. Speaking about advice... What words of wisdom or advice would you have for those facing a transition or experiencing a transition in their life? Mm-hmm. Well, something that's really come up um, from a lot of guests is we have this idea that you need to be all or all in as an athlete to be as great as you possibly can to really max out your potential. And I think that that can be a, a problematic mentality. Um, of course, you want to train hard. You want to schedule right. You want to, you know, not go out with friends if, you know, you need to be focusing on this other thing that might prepare you for a game or whatever, but find ways to develop those other parts of you in the Mm. spaces that there are in the time that there is. Um, and recognize, I don't, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but impermanence is like the only certainty in life or change (laughs) is the only certainty about life. And I think it's easy to get really tunnel vision um, Mm -hmm. when you're in something and thinking this needs to be all consuming so that I can make it um, as great as it can possibly be. And so that I can have no regrets and take that mentality, but expand it to include your future self, which will Mm. ultimately not have this experience. So diving in a little bit more, being a woman in sport, did you feel like there were barriers because of your gender? Growing up in the U.S. is a huge privilege. Um, Being a woman in the U.S. and in Canada, it's a huge privilege um, in itself. So, and there were more and more opportunities, again, kind of sprouting from that amazing U.S. Women's National Team World Cup win in 1999 that really started to take off. Um, So I don't think that I experienced barriers in the ways that maybe women um, from other countries um, might. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that there are always stereotypes that come with being the tomboy. Uh, I don't know if barrier might be a strong word for that, but they are these challenges and these things that you have to navigate as, as a young girl, things about, you know, making assumptions about my sexuality and, um, trying to be in, I would love to train with men and boys when I was growing up to get better. And of course, in those kind of hyper-masculine spaces, you're not super welcome. 
Right. Um, yeah. So just little things like that. Uh, um, and it's, it's getting better and, um, you know, women's soccer in particular is, is growing. And I think that women's soccer is something that I do in my work, uh, for the startup that, um, I'm involved in when I'm not podcasting is <laughs> our bigger mission is women's soccer as a vehicle for change and as a vehicle mm. for empowerment, um, and the ways that it, influences girls and women beyond just the playing field. Right. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share some of the aha moments you have had with your guests? Yeah. So I think something that's come up that has been really healing for me, and I think really healing for anybody that that listens, is the end of an experience isn't as important as like the weight that we seem to put on it. I think as athletes, we really want to say, oh, you know, if I end with a gold medal, if I end with that state championship, um, I can really feel a better sense of being able to move on because I can say, you know, I finished at the top. Mm -hmm. But even the Olympic medalists that I've talked to, the gold medalists, if you finish at the top, there's like, oh, well, can I, can I keep going? Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I think we see this in life a lot. Like, 99% of times experiences don't come to an end in the way that we envision them and the way that we think we might best be able to handle them. And so closure really needs to come from within. And Mm -hmm. so that's, that's a big aha moment, something that's been really powerful for me. Another thing, the importance of coaches. Um, And, you know, I, I really have athletes, I think, as we talk about the end, it's just as important to talk about the the rise the beginning how well, the role sport came to play in an athlete's life to get a sense of why the end felt the way that it did and you really I really started to see just how important words from coaches how mm. important you know athletes remembering that one you know really positive or really negative thing that a coach said and that you know affected whether they burnt out you know, later down the road or whether they really felt like they were able to uh, push themselves to that next level. And I guess I'll just finish with this last thing. I think that there's um, many reasons that people stay in sports. Right. And um, I don't think I, I knew that intellectually, but hearing why, you know, someone might feel maybe it's a social group and they love that aspect more than the actual playing in a game or they are feeling pressure from their their loved ones or the people in their circle that think that they think that those people that they should be living for those people and they don't want to mm. disappoint them. Um, and so it's been interesting. And um, I think that leads into the point that, of course, not everyone has the same set of emotions when they when they leave the sport. A lot of times people are very relieved. Mm. Uh, and I think in a lot of endeavors, we probably have a tendency to approach topics with our own lens and our own experience. And for me and leaving sport was really traumatic. Um, And I, and I knew again, knew intellectually that it was, I wasn't like that for everybody, but I think I really came in hoping to kind of get a sense of other people that had a similarly difficult experience, but Mm -hmm. not every, you know, it really, it runs the gamut for how people feel when they really turn in their equipment and say goodbye. I think for a lot of your listeners and people engaged in sport that a lot of those moments that you've noticed through guests will be easy for people to identify with because 
they can relate to all kinds of different things. And when you're talking about, you know, you think that when you win the gold medal, like you've made it, but if you're a high performance athlete or, you know, a high performer, even in, in a professional aspect of a career, you, you always think you can do better. And it's so interesting to me because I, I'm like that. And I could have helped get somebody a meeting with the prime minister of Canada and they're super excited. And I just feel nothing. So I'm like, what's next? We can go bigger. Uh, so I think people will really identify with that. We're having this conversation uh, last night on HBO, Michael Phelps's documentary, the, it's called the weight of gold premiered on HBO. And it was pretty much just all about how that single minded obsession. Again, mm -hmm. you, you look at Michael Phelps and you think, you know, he, he of course he ended in the best way that he possibly could have imagined and he'll have sponsorship deals and all these sorts of things that'll just keep carrying him but clearly there was a lot of inner turmoil a lot of um, peace that he needed to make and like mm -hmm. sense of self that he needed to still build up mm -hmm. are there other themes that you continue to hear from guests across episodes even though you're interviewing different people from different backgrounds in sports going off of the last point i made about why people stay in sports i've really found that for so many folks leaving the sport, the saddest part, the things that they talk about missing and that they, uh, that they are trying to find in another capacity in their next phase is that camaraderie and the memories made along the journey of playing sport and the lessons they learned rather than the, the high of playing in a game or the, just the physical activity that I think we think about with sports so much. It really is so much more than that. Mm. Um, yeah. And so when people talk about loss, it's really, um, the, the, the social and the, uh, the personal fulfillment beyond having a ball at their feet or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the other point I'll make is I've really been struck with <laughs> talking to athletes that played different sports that had different ends to their mm -hmm. sports that, um, achieve different levels of quote unquote success. Athletes are so resilient. I mean, I've mm. talked to um, those with cancer diagnosis and concussions and not, you know, not making the Olympics and being told that they weren't good enough and all these things. And I've just really, uh, it's been so inspiring to hear, uh, people push past those challenges and, uh, do amazing, do amazing things. It's amazing. The skill sets that you learn, even if you're just an amateur athlete for children, the transitions that you can take into different professional careers, like the skills that you gain beyond just the elite skill of the sport that you're training in. I want to talk a little bit more about the podcast. What is one of the episodes that you think is really profound that maybe isn't your top played, but that is really worth it for people to go and take a listen? This is the first thing that came to my head, and I'm going to acknowledge that that was the first thing that came to my head <laughs> instead of trying to analyze it a bit more. Um, I looked, I did some research on the high school football team, like the worst high school football team in America. Okay. One year. Like they just <laughs> were losing by cra crazy margins, huge margins. And I just started to think like, what is it like to, you know, suit up for every game, knowing that you're about to lose by a hundred points? How do you, what's it like to, what's your athlete identity at, at that point? And right. are you happy? So are you relieved to finally be out of sport because you're not taking this beating anymore? Are you, you know, are you bitter? Um, so I did some research, ended up talking to this farm boy, as he would describe himself, farm boy in middle of nowhere, Missouri. <laughs> uh, 
he just stepped outside. We did the interview right next to his truck. And he was telling me all about what it was like to be on that team. And really his like energy and perspective on it all. I mean, the, the episode's called Every Cloud, um, which is a play off of Every Cloud Has a Silver Lining. And he really, <laughs> he really took it that way. I mean, I will always remember this moment in the, in the show, this little audio bite where he was talking about, you know, they had one of the worst losses of the season. Mm. And every time the other team scored, um, they set off fireworks. <laughs> and they got to the point where there were, you know, there were no more fireworks to set off. But, you know, after six or seven touchdowns, I guess this, this boy, Colton, he turned to his coach and he was like, well, at least we're getting a good fireworks show out of this. <laughs> so it's kind of, it kind of captures this mentality of, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there is, like, the glass can be half full, even yes. in these really extreme situations. It, it builds character just in a different way. For sure, for sure. What are some of the episodes that have had the most listens? What are the top three played episodes that you've had? Um, well, I'll, I'll do like a, an asterisk one here that I'll just say, because I know why it was the top played. And that was, it was uh, Cody Simpson, who's Miley Cyrus's, I guess they're still together, boyfriend. <laughs> well, as of the recording of this episode, they are not still together. So he obviously has a a huge following and he was nice enough to share that on his profile. And he, I mean, he was a going to the Olympics, like on that path for Australia, he was a swimmer and then pivoted and is now doing, you know, the music thing. So that, that was pretty interesting and uh, really grateful that he was able to carve out some time to talk to me, but I'll point out these uh, three, one, range of motion is what the episode is called and it was an interview with two athletic trainers Mm. um and i kind of started to think about the other people that might feel a sense of loss um and just the people that make an athletic experience what it is that maybe kind of toil behind the scenes or they're not exactly where our mind goes to Mm-hmm. And it was just a really wonderful discussion about um, the role that athletic trainers play, the, the relationship they develop with athletes when they come in injured and they build them back up. You, they really spend a lot of time with athletes in their hardest moments and see them, again, kind of overcome a lot of hurdles. They, you know, they're always kicking athletes out of the training room because they're talking too much and hanging <laughs> out in there like it's a watering hole. And sometimes athletic trainers are tasked with telling an athlete that they can't play anymore. And Mm. uh, that's really huge. And um, that was popular. I mentioned uh, retirement by pandemic. And I'll I'll just end with one last episode. Um, It's called Road Less Traveled. And I interviewed two. I wanted to kind of dive into what it's like to play a sport that no one cares about or that no one knows about (laughs) um, that people think is weird. Um, and what is that experience like of giving yourself, emptying yourself to a sport in the same way that, you know, mainstream sport athletes do, um, but not getting any of that recognition um, mm-hmm. in the same ways, maybe having to explain what your sport is to people. And kind of it was really interesting to hear um, the sense of camaraderie that developed within that sport was even tighter um, because they really kind of had this shared bond. And, um, and yeah, so that, that was, it was an extreme, but I think people, um, people enjoyed listening to that. That's amazing. There's lots of good meat in there for people to check out. 
Is there an episode that really stood out for you that maybe isn't your top played, but is really worth a listen? I did uh, one episode and then I kind of, I do these uh, little episode called intervals. Uh, it's kind of a play off of run, run along. So they're uh, 10 minutes or under, but the, the longer episode I did and then an interval I did related on the same topic. Um, it was about athletes with disabilities. And um, I think that the experience of retirement for athletes with disabilities is very, very different. Um, the Paralympics does not get anywhere. If you're talking about the athletes with disabilities who make it to the top, top levels, they're not getting anywhere near the sort of money or recognition that the athletes who make it to the top, top levels who are, who are able-bodied. Um, and many of them, again, are, they are, have access to so many support systems um, when they are in athletics. Uh, but are treated so differently when they mm. decide to to leave sport. And so, yeah, it's just thinking about about those sorts of things. What else do you do when you're not podcasting? Planning for my next podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I, I do a lot of freelance content focused on women's sports. So um, yeah, just pitching, writing, writing articles, continuing to develop, to develop my skills there. It's not going to surprise you to know that I love working out. I mean, I watch a lot of trash TV, <laughs> a lot of 90 day fiance and things that uh, my parents would cringe listening to me uh, talk about. <laughs> Is there anything else you want your audience to know about that we haven't covered yet? Well, go listen to Woman Don't Do That. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was covered in the beginning, but I'll have to sign off with that too. No, I think we covered, we, I talked about so much and uh, anybody that listens to my podcast is probably already, already sick of my voice. So this is, this is an <laughs> overload for them. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story with them. I think it'll be important for people to hear and very inspiring. Thank you to Stephanie for interviewing me and thank you for listening. Be sure to check out Women Don't Do That on Instagram and at their website, womendontdothat.com. Hope to see you next time.